Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. Roll on back to 
Okay, Coach, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. There we go. For for some reason, uh, I've been having some issues where, uh, like, uh, when I've got it hooked up, it it won't allow me to hear the the callers. So, had to call in myself directly to to get in. But how, how's it going this morning? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Yep. Of course. Uh, First off, before we talk about, you know, what's happened recently and where your future moving forward, talk about your time at West Florence, your one year there. What were some of the highlights uh, at your, as your one, with your one year as the uh, head coach over at West Florence? Well, really, it was, uh, you know, it was a super exciting, um, you know, opportunity when, uh, when, when Coach Johnson called me. Um, you know, in, in May, um, to, to talk about the job, um, you know, I was, I was really excited, um, you know, to, to have the opportunity, uh, because, you know, the, the one thing I've learned in throughout my years in coaching is that it's really important that you take the right job. Um, you know, I, I wasn't going to, uh, take just anything, um, and West Florence ended up being, you know, a, a, a super opportunity. Um, it was a great place that talented kids, you know, which you always want, um, it also, um, you know, it has, uh, you know, coach Johnson is a great athletic director. Uh, the principal Matt Daldell is a great principal, the superintendent, um, Dr. O'Malley is a great superintendent, you know, the, the, the energy and the, um, the determination to, to have a first class athletic program and to, to treat the athletes and treat the coaches well. Um, you, you can just feel it, you know, every time you talk to any of them. Um, and so I was super excited to find a place that had talent. Um, you know, Coach Jarvis did a great job here and had success. And um, and then an athletic director who was going to support coaches and a principal who was going to support coaches and a superintendent, you know, who, who's, who's literally building on-campus football fields for every school, um, you know, who, who's behind athletics. And so that combination, um, you know, just, just made it a, a great opportunity. Um, and so I was, was looking forward to it. And, and honestly, I did not understand um, how COVID was going to impact us. You know, I kind of thought it would maybe, uh, you know, fade through the summer. Um, and, and obviously it did not do that. Um, but we rely real heavily on uh, 
on football players. Um, and so the transition, um, you know, what was tougher because we were missing guys, but, you know, we were able to do workouts in the summer and we were able to do our, our some of our preseason conditioning. So I was able to, to build some relationships with the guys and, and at least get get around them. Um, and then, you know, in the middle of November, when we got everybody together, we had a, a good week or two of practice. Uh, and then we opened up the season plan in our, in our own tournament. Um, and, you know, we, we, we started off the season with a big win over Lamar. Uh, and then we lost to a, to a great, great collegiate academy team that's just loaded with talent. Um, and then we played Darlington um, in the third place game of our tournament. Um, and Darlington was a top ten team and a perennial um, you know, power in, in, a, in a great region. Um, and even playing, even playing without our best player, um, we, we handled them pretty easily. We ended up with a, a double figures win and, and it had led by as much as 20. Um, and, and we're really, you know, I felt like we were, we were coming together. And then the next week we played Lakewood twice. Um, you know, Lakewood ended up being a, a playoff team, very well coached team by Ed Scott. And, uh, you know, we got our best player back. We beat them twice. Um, handily, you know, I think 20 the first time and then a, a, a almost 20 the second time. And I just remember riding home from that game thinking, you know, we're 4-1. and one. We've beaten three good teams. Um, and we haven't even come close to playing our best basketball yet. So I was really excited um, about the potential of the team. You have know, started two sophomore guards, um, you know, two, junior, uh, two juniors. And so you know, you're talking about four of the five guys, you know, you're coming back for next year. And so really excited, um, off to a great start. And when we had, uh, we were supposed to host Wilson, um, the next week in our region opener and, you know, really thought everything was falling into place and it was going to be a great season. Um, and then COVID hit, um, we had a, a positive case. Um, and so that shut us down for two weeks. Um, and then just as we thought we were coming back, um, our district shut down athletics completely, um, for the rest of December and the beginning of January, um, you know, and then as we thought we were coming back again, they extended that pause. Um, and so we ended up, you know, going 60 days um, <laughs> between our Lakewood game and when we finally got to play Wilson, um, you know, in, in, at the beginning of February. Um, and, you know, and so at, at that point, um you know, you 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 realize that it's it's not going to be a, a typical season. But you know, to our guys' credit, they they came back and they worked hard and they got themselves in shape. We still were dealing with injuries, um, you know, just from being off that long and coming back. And uh, we played Wilson and, and lost on a buzzer beater. And then we went to Myrtle Beach uh, again, shorthanded or North Myrtle Beach, shorthanded, um, yep. and, and and lost in the last minute. Um, but you know, I was, I was telling my, my coaches and, and, and my athletic director is like, you know, we're playing in February, um, a game that felt like a December game. You know, it was, uh, you know, growing pain, starting two sophomore guards who are going to be super players. Um, you know, and so even then, you know, we're four and three, but we're feeling good, uh, about getting back into it. And we, 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 our region did a blind draw, um, for our region tournament because we didn't really play enough games to do anything else. And, we had an opportunity um, to to play Myrtle Beach, and uh, the winner was going to make the playoffs. Um, and unfortunately, we got hit with COVID again, um, and that ended our season. So um, we ended up we went four and three. We only played seven games, um, and and basically we only had about two weeks uh, throughout the whole season um, where we had you know what would have been our starting lineup together. So it was uh, you know it was, it was out of our control. 
um, you know, the, the, the guys who were healthy, um, did a super job, do every, did everything we asked them to do. Um, and I really, I, I told the guys when, when I met with them after the season, I really believe that in a normal season, um, you know, they were a team that's going to go in the playoffs and, 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 and win, um, uh, and win multiple games. I, I just, I, you can't tell me that if we got to have those guys together from November to February, um, that we weren't going to make a deep playoff run, um, but unfortunately, that's uh, that's not the case. You 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 mentioned a lot of stuff with with COVID and everything. Just in, in your coaching career and everything, how big of a test were all the struggles this season uh, for you as a head coach and keeping your players, uh, you know, focused even when at certain times it looked like we weren't, you know, we weren't sure if we were even going to have the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's really, uh, you know, that's why I keep, I, I want people to understand, um, you know, what it takes as a, a as a teenager, um, you know, to handle that, you know, to, to be in the middle of the season and then get shut down um, and think you're coming back and get shut down even longer. Um, and then to come back um, and go to work um, and play hard and do everything you're asked to do and then not even get to play in the, the, the tournament that decides if you get to go to the playoffs. You know, I just – I can't uh, I can't praise my guys enough, composure and the character they show. And, you know, that that, um, that goes <clears throat> – the credit for that goes to their parents. You know, the the guys that finished the season with us were, were high-character guys. You know, we lost some guys throughout the season, um, but I think it made us better. Um, and the, the guys that were in the locker room after that last game, you know, every one of those guys was, uh, was, was really, was really a high character kid who did everything they were asked to, to, to do. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't talk highly enough about what they were had, what they had to overcome because that's not easy. It's not easy um, for us as an adult to handle that kind of uncertainty and for, for teenagers to just be that resilient and roll through it. Um, you know, I, I, re- I really appreciate the kind of effort and commitment that th- those guys that finished the season showed. Yeah, that it, it was a very tough season, to say the least, and like you mentioned, a great job by them being able to, you know, roll through the punches and get through what, what they could. You, you know, had, had a tough decision. You decided um, you had to resign as the head coach at West Florence due to your wife getting a job elsewhere. How, first off, how hard of a decision was that your, for you and your family as a whole, trying to decide what to do with that? And then what was the reaction and, and what did, uh, you know, the players, faculty, administration, everyone at West Florence say when you told them that you were moving on? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an excruciating decision. You know, it's, it's um, you know, there are not many times where you're you're faced with uh with a decision like that where um you have two options and one is extraordinarily good for uh for one spouse and the other is extraordinarily good for the other spouse um and so that and that's 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 what we were in you know we we this was you know never part of the plan and you know, we bought a house here in Florence and we're planning to planning to move here I mean I, I already obviously did move here but my family was coming um here and so the the, the plan was never for this to be a one year thing uh, but just the uh 
the opportunity that, that my wife got was, I mean, it was essentially her dream job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity um, for her to do it, pretty much exactly what she's always wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just no way, um, you know, as, as a husband and a father who, who talks about character and talks about doing the right thing um, for, for me to ask her to turn that down. So that's, that's really what I told everybody. Um, you know, uh, the, the players and the, and the administrators um, is, you know, the, the only thing I love more than basketball is my family. Um, and so that is uh, how it's to know what the right thing to do is, even if it's difficult to do it. Um, and so that's really, you know, that's, that's how I presented it to, to Coach Johnson and to, to, to Principal Dowdell. It's just, hey, you know, this has nothing to do with youth. It has nothing to do with West Florence. Um, this is really just you know, uh, uh, unfortunate circumstance um, for for you and for me, um, but uh, just too good an opportunity for me to ask my my family to pass up on. Um, and so uh, that that's what we did. So it was it was difficult, but they they all handled it well. Um, you know, they, like I said, they're good people, and so good people don't um, you know make people feel bad for doing what is right for their family. And so Coach Johnson and, and Mr. Dowdell. Um, we're both you know, obviously disappointed that I was leaving, but supportive of me as a person, um, which is, you know, exactly what you would, uh, what you would want them to do. And, you know, and, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, they also have the knowledge that, uh, you know, they, they hired coach Jarvis two years ago, um, who was a great coach. And, um, uh, you know, I feel like they made a good decision in hiring me. Um, and I, the utmost confidence that they're going to go out and get, um, a really good coach who's the right fit for West Lawrence. Um, because I'm leaving a team that's going to be in the top 10 next season. Um, you know, we got four returning starters, um, uh, two all-region players coming back, um, you know, Darren Lloyd, Bryson Graves, Valerian Bruce, Avion McBride, um, really good players. I mean, I th- I'm leaving uh, – you know, that's part of what makes it such a hard decision is I- I'm leaving a good team. Like, these guys, mm-hmm. these guys have a great year next year. Yeah, uh, you guys looked like you were on your way. Like you mentioned earlier, you guys were on your way to a good season, and of course, COVID uh, got in the way of that. Look, looking ahead, I think I saw on Twitter you said your wife is is your the job that she's doing is in Buford, correct? That is, that's right. Yeah. Okay. It, what's what's next for you? Could you potentially see yourself? taking it like an assistant position at Buford or somewhere in that area, or are you just going to kind of wait and see what happens from here? Well, like, like I told you, uh, you know, one of the the biggest thing that I've learned uh, in in coaching over, over my years um, is that the right fit is everything. Um, You know, it's better to have no job than a bad job. Um, And so, um, you know, that is, that is a hundred percent, you know, what I'm going to live by. Um, for the remainder of, of, of my career. Um, and honestly, right now, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the early stages of, of, of planning because, you know, this is just, uh, you know, something that's been percolating, you know, since it became clear that I had to uh, to, to step down here. Um, I, is I, I think I'm going to uh, to go out on my own for a while and, uh, and see, um, you know, see what I can do in, in, in that kind of environment um I'm, I'm thinking you know one of the things that uh athletics teaches you and one of the things you try to stress to your players is you know a next play mentality um and moving uh moving on from what just happened and so as disappointing as leaving west Florence is 
Um, you know, it, there, there's no value um, to me in just dwelling on it and being sad about it. Um, I've got to move on to, to what's next. And so really what I'm going to try to do is I, I love basketball and I love helping people uh, and I love athletics in general. Uh, and so I, I'm really, uh, I'm going to try to get off the ground uh, a, a business uh, calling it next play services and solutions. Um, and I'm going to try to uh, do a, do um, my best to, to coach coaches and, and train players, um, you know, and, and just really find ways um, that I can, that I can stay involved in athletics, even if I don't have a team right now. Um, so just really looking for ways to, uh, to work with coaches, work with athletic teams and to work with players, um, helping them innovate, um, and helping them solve the, the, the problems they face in their in their program or in their um, athletic department, and then just finding ways to to add value to them and help them serve their players better. So that's uh, you know that that's that's what I'm looking at right now. And then you you obviously <clears throat> you never know what the future holds. Um, if the right coaching opportunity presents itself, um, that we can do that I can do um, from Buford. Um, you know, obviously I'd consider that, but I, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity, um, you know, maybe to, uh, to share some of my experience and my knowledge with other coaches and other players uh, and just help as many, as many people as I can. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great opportunity, not just for you, but, just, but for all the coaches in the state and, uh, you know, a lot of players as well to kind of find ways to grow and, and adapt and, learn from what you're doing right now, just, mo- you know, moving forward and finding what, what's next in your life uh, after this. And, and Hey, you've got a uh, lower state championship team just down the road from you. So maybe that job opens up or something like that. Um, thanks a lot for joining me this morning, coach, and uh, good luck with, with your new project uh, and wherever you end up next. All right. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. Yep, thanks a lot. That was Coach Nate Livesey, uh from origin before from West Florence, uh, head basketball coach. Now apparently looking to do some uh, some stuff with uh, with helping out other coaches and and players and stuff like that. That sounds like a great project. I'm definitely interested in seeing. Uh, <coughs> excuse me interested in seeing what what he does with with that uh so we'll uh i'll see uh what what happens from here now uh got, got some uh, uh, uh hold on a second with with about uh, a little under uh, ten minutes left to go for before the uh, top of the hour, and we'll have Tony Halbron coming on at the top of the hour. I'll run through the rest of the bracket, or at least a little bit more of the bracket um, from what we were talking about. We're, we were talking about the South Region, um, obviously talking about Oral Roberts and their big win. Uh, not not just over Ohio State, but then also over Florida to make it to the Sweet 16. Led me to my talk on the you know why this is one of the big reasons why uh, the NCAA tournament uh, should 
or excuse me, the college football playoffs should uh, expand to uh, to at least sixteen. Um, you know, I think sixteen would be the would be the right number. I don't think I don't think you need to go any higher than sixteen. I mean, if you wanted to try to, you know, you look at the FCS; they have twenty four, and that would create the uh, that would create the precise percentile be, uh, that's the same as it is in uh, in college in college basketball relative to the amount of teams that are available. Uh, but yeah, that's that's something you know. Those those types of games, Oral Roberts making it to the Sweet Sixteen, is what you love to see in college basketball. That's what makes March Madness March Madness. When you love to see a January Madness, I know I would. December December slash January Madness, I'd love it. Uh, but so you know. Looking for looking forward on that, uh, you know, on that region. Looking at the South, North or Baylor and Villanova. I, I think Baylor in that game, uh, and then Arkansas and Oral Roberts. I, I think it, it's going to be a good game. Oral Roberts is going to be gunning for it. I'm just saying right now, but. I think Arkansas is gonna end end the Cinderella run for Oral Roberts in the Sweet Sixteen. Moving on down to the Midwest region, the final region, and then I'll take a break before Nate or before uh, Tony Heilbron comes on. Illinois being Drexel, not really all that surprising. Loyola, Chicago, I'm I I was honestly surprised. I did not think they were even gonna get past Georgia Tech. And not only did they make it past Georgia Tech, but they made it past Illinois as well. And the legend of Sister Jean gets even bigger. And it's been fun watching that. That's the thing. Like, all of these stories and all of these things about these these small, you know, these mid-major schools, the stories, the traditions that they have that you don't really hear about. And you get to see it on a national stage, and they become bigger. You know, now now they're in the Big East, and they're a bigger program and a more national program. But you know, Butler and Butler Blue. I, I you know, we know about Uga. We know about you know a lot of other dogs in the you know in, in FBS. But you know. Butler Blue, I, I love that bulldog. I wish I could have met him. I, I I wish I I I wish I'd have an opportunity to meet Butler Blue. I would love to meet Butler Blue. Uh, Oregon State being Tennessee, that was another surprise. Now, granted, that's a Power Five versus Power Five, and that's you know we'll talk about the Pac-12 in just a little bit, but that was another. A little bit of a surprise. Oklahoma State being Liberty, not really all that surprising. Syracuse being San Diego State, that was one of those lower seed games that I actually thought would win, and Syracuse doing what they do best. Uh, You know, they are a juggernaut. West Virginia being Moorhead State, not surprising. 
Uh, Rutgers being Clemson, a little bit of a surprise. I thought Clemson would be able to win that game, but Rutgers is a good team. And then Houston being Cleveland City, not all that surprising. Houston being Rutgers, not really all that surprising. Syracuse being West Virginia, while some while some may say that was a surprise, I I saw that coming. I I thought Syracuse would win that game. So I'm not really all that surprised there. Uh, Oregon State being Oklahoma State, that was a surprise to me. I was not expecting that, especially not by 10. And then Loyola Chicago being Illinois, again, surprised. Definitely surprised, especially at the uh, at the margin of victory. But I will say I do think I did think Illinois was overranked and overhyped. So moving on to the predictions for next week. Hey, Loyola Chicago against Oregon State, a power five. This is another thing that you would never see in in college football. And I don't think you even if they expand the tournament, even if they expand the playoff, I don't think you'd ever see just because of the inherent in college football, Loyola Chicago, a mid-major school, is the higher-ranked team against the Power Five. And I think Loyola Chicago continues. The legacy of Sister Jean continues. And then Syracuse against Houston, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And, and another one that, you know, the Group of Five team is higher than the Power Five. That's going to be a tough one, but I think I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to say Syracuse. I think Syracuse win, wins that game and moves on. An 8 and an 11 seed in the in the Elite Eight. Could you imagine that? And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm, I, I wasn't able to do my research, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I think UCLA beats Alabama. And then I, I think Michigan will beat UCLA. Predictions uh, for the uh, for the end for the Sweet 16. Uh, might talk a little bit more about some other stuff in just a little bit. Take a quick break. I've got uh, Coach Heilbron on the line, and we'll talk to him in just a little bit. So take a quick break, and then come right back with more Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. Stay tuned. Where it began I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, 
look is so nice And it don't seem so lonely We fill it up with only two And when I hurt Burden runs off my shoulders How can I hurt when holding you? Warm Touching warm Reaching out Touching me Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And joining me at Elbron, the new North Merle Beach Leg Director. Coach Halbron, how's it going this morning? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. First off, I want to congratulate you on the new position. Uh, just take us through how the process was for you Uh and and how how everything went and your reaction when you received the news that you got the job this week. All right. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you know you guys reaching out and the support I've received so far. Um, it kind of started back in January. We um, they have weekly AD meetings or biweekly at the time. Um, all the region six ADs with me and being one of the assistant ADs, I was allowed in the meetings. Um, so one morning. It was Coach Quigley and Coach Johnson at West Florence. So when I joined, it was just the two of them. And Coach Quigley was just making conversation, you know, hey, Anthony, how long are you plan on coaching? And I said, I don't know. There's no set timetable. And then he said, well, you know, I'm retiring in the spring. Um, you know, you should put in for the job. I think, you know, you potentially would be good for it. And I thought about it. And then, I, you know, eventually ended up applying for it. And then I heard there was an absolute ton of interest in it. I said, well, if I get an interview, I'll be lucky. Um mm-hmm. So Ms. Todd called, and I had, you know, I was one of 12 interviews. And then a couple of days after the interview, I got another call. You're one of the four finalists. I said, wow, I, I must be doing something right. And then, like I said, she called me and offered me the job, and it just – I know, you know, you believe in yourself, but, you know, with my age and experience, I was like, wow, she's, she must see something in me. So I'm just, like I said, just super fortunate and blessed to be in this situation. 
like you mentioned, you had that relationship with Joe Quigley already. He mentioned it back, you know, when you had the region meeting over the summer. How much of that do you think, and and his endorsement of you, do you think helped in in not only your de- decision to apply, but also how much do you think it helped in you actually landing it? Um, well, Coach clearly told me up front that he'd have absolutely no say in what was going on. Um, he would not be involved in the process. So I don't know, um, you know, if Miss Todd asked him anything, if he volunteered information that you know I, I can't speak on. Um, him thinking enough of me and the relationship we've had, you know, I think you'd be qualified to do the job. Um, gave me the confidence I think I needed. Obviously, North Myrtle Beach is a fantastic um, school. The facilities are amazing. Um, success, like I said, speaks for itself. You know, winning like they are, you know, multiple sports and championships statewide, not just region-wide. Um, for me, like I said, it's a, it's a perfect job to walk into. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. But like, like you said, you know, Joe Quigley has done a great job over at North Merrill. How hard is it going to be for you to step in and replace someone like him at the helm who has been a staple there for over a decade? Um, funny you asked that. That was, you know, a question I was asked in my interviews is, you know, how do you think it's going to be, you know, one of your biggest challenges? What is it? And I immediately, I laughed and I said, the fact that I'm not Joe Quigley. <laughs> I said, he's been in this community for years and there's going to be some people that are going to be diehard <clears throat> Joe Quigley supporters. And just the fact that I'm not is already strike one against me. Um, uh-huh. And I know how that works. In Darlington, I replaced a 13-year coach, born and raised in the community, and expectations were high. So, again, strike one, you're not the outgoing person. Um, uh-huh. And I'm okay with that. I hope my work ethic and success with programs are going to continue to have and trying to get it to that next level shows the people that, yes, he's not Joe, but he's still good for this position. You you mentioned getting the program to the next level. What are some of your goals for the Chiefs moving forward to start off your tenure when you get under the helm? Um, well, and you know, again, this conversations I've had with Miss Todd and Coach Quigley. Um, social media, anything online, internet based, is not Coach Quigley's strong point. Um, he's my dad's age and my dad does not do well with technology. He grew up just, they didn't have it like, you know, you and I do now. Um, so trying to expand our social media brand, getting us out there, um, doing things to kind of attract that younger crowd, trying to relate Mm -hmm. to them and building the brand, you know, through that. Um, I've been told the middle and older crowd in the beach area is very supportive. We need to work on our younger crowd. So with me being 35, I think I can do that and kind of help bridge that gap between the younger and the older chief crowd. Yeah, well, you know, me me personally, you know, I've I've already kind of tried to help with that along, uh, and you, you and I already talked about this. We'll certainly talk about uh, kind of teaming up and helping out with that. Uh, and and another thing that you know the Chiefs have done well over the last couple of years, especially this year. But, you know, you being a basketball coach previously, obviously football is always going to be the biggest drawing sport. But how important is it for you to build some of those other programs, particularly the basketball program, uh, you know, considering your connection with basketball, getting them on that level in terms of popularity and in terms of, you know, people noticing them? 
Um, I definitely think you need to have more sports than just football. I mean, I know we're in the South, so football is king. But mm-hmm. to have a complete, round athletic department successfully, you got to have your other sports, baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, step up and, you know, share the spotlight. Um, basketball, obviously, that's my strong suit area. Um, in Darlington, basketball is the sport. People here are diehard, passionate fans for basketball, and they wait literally till December. You know, football is a big deal, but they know when basketball is here, everyone community-wise is in. Um, you know, I've known Coach Walker a couple of years. He's done a great job getting that program. Mm-hmm. Ironically, you know, we struggled when we came to North Florida Beach. In my three <laughs> years, we never won down there. Um, they never won in Darlington, but, you know, I never was able to win in that gym. Um, but the crowds, the atmosphere, obviously the girls making a state championship this year, um, there's, it's there. So I think the right pieces are in place. It's just a matter of, you know, just getting that consistency year in and year out, getting stronger in the weight room, getting better in the off season, And I have no doubt they will. Um, my job is to try to get as many people in the gym as possible, students, um, get a great student section, create that fun atmosphere that mm-hmm. kids want to be at. You know, Friday nights, you're in the student section. You remember that 20, 30 years from now. Um, I want that same thing basketball-wise, too. Yeah, that, hey, with with that indoor atmosphere, those basketball games, I, I remember uh, for the Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach games last year, uh, obviously this year a little different with the pandemic, but last year those games, those rivalry games, those gyms were rocking, and, and the, I, I'd love to see that atmosphere uh, transpire for more than just the Myrtle Beach, you know, just for more than just the battle at the beach. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like you're, you're ready to hit the ground running and I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to working with you. And, uh, it looks like, uh, good things are coming up for North Merrill beach. Th- thanks for uh, joining me this morning, Tony. No problem. Thank you for having me on guys. Yep. Thanks a lot. So that was uh, Tony Heilbron, the new athletic director over at North Merrill Beach. Sounds like he's got a lot of great plans. And, you know, I, I've helped. I've helped personally over there kind of expand the uh, the social media and the, the non-football platform over there over the last couple of years with the North Merrill Beach. Sports Network, and uh, hoping, uh, you know, hoping to be able to help out uh, Coach Halbron, uh get get that uh, get that even more off the ground over the next uh, over the next few years. So big things, lots of things looking up for North Myrtle uh, next season. Um, so yeah, great great things. Uh, to look forward to if you're a Chiefs fan. And, you know, like you said, yeah, Joe Quigley has been great for the program. But that is one thing that, that, you know, a lot of schools, a lot of schools in the area as a whole, but, you know, North Merrill Beach has been one of the front runners, at least to start out with. But, you know, could definitely do better in terms of social media and media just in general. So lots of things to look forward to there. Uh, and if you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, you're disappointed that 
Quigley is leaving. But I I think things I think there's going to be a very smooth transition over there between Joe Quigley and Tony Heilbron. So with that being said, I'll uh, switch gears a little bit. Um, go go back to the NCAA tournament just for a bit. I'll just run down everything that I talked about before. Um, you know, looking forward to the next uh, couple of days um, this next week in for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Gonzaga against Creighton. I think Gonzaga wins that game. Don't see uh, Korean winning that one. USC against Oregon. Let me just mention, it's crazy how good uh, the Pac-12 has been in uh, in the tournament this this year. Both USC and Korean making it to the Sweet 16. You have UCLA making it to the Sweet 16. You have Oregon State making it to the Sweet 16. So five teams making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, this season, and that's that's impressive, especially because the Pac-12 isn't exactly known for uh, isn't exactly known for its uh, bat. Well, not anymore, at least. You know, Pac-12 is always kind of, you know, the odd man out when it comes to any sport now, especially basketball and football. You know, Pac-12, I think it's at least in part because of where they're located, though. Not as many people pay attention to them because you can't see them as much. You know, a lot of people here on the East Coast aren't going to stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning to watch the Pac-12. So that's made it a lot harder for them to do uh do what they what they need to do but this has really shown this season uh has really shown that they are capable of uh you know playing playing good basketball and and doing something on a national stage so congrats congrats to the Pac-12 uh, but like I said, Gonzaga and Crane, Gonzaga wins that one. USC and Oregon, that's going to be a tough one. But And then USC against Gonzaga, I'll take Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four. Michigan against Flor- Florida State, got to go with Michigan there. Uh, UCLA and Alabama, like I said, I think I have to pick UCLA, and then Michigan beats them to make it to the Final Four. Uh, Baylor and Villanova. Villanova's run comes to an end. Baylor wins that one. Arkansas and Oral Roberts. That's, yeah, Arkansas ends the Cinderella story and moves on. And then Baylor moves on to the final four. I think Loyola Chicago keeps it up. They keep going. And Syracuse and Houston, I'm going to take Syracuse. I'm going to take Syracuse with the upset. And then I think Syracuse beats Loyola Chicago to make it to the final four. 
So there are my final four teams. You got Gonzaga, you got Michigan, you got Baylor, and then you got Syracuse. So there are my final four teams. Uh if you if you guys want to call in, let me know what you think. If you have uh a differing opinion, if you want to talk about this, if you want to talk about, you know, uh Tony Halbron taking Taking over at North Myrtle. If you want to talk about anything else, be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We got Ian Guerin coming on at 9. When I After I take a break in a little under 15 minutes, I'll have the phone lines wide open. That'll be the time for you to call in and uh, get give me your thoughts on anything sports-related. But in the meantime, I'll uh, switch gears a little bit. Well, I'll stick. I actually stick with college basketball for just a second. Uh, first off, let me go. Uh, let me talk about something that uh, we put a poll up yesterday, asking if if you guys thought that the NCAA should be disbanded. And, you know, the poll's still up if you want to go vote vote on it, uh, SO Sports Central on Twitter. Go go give us a follow and and, and vote on the poll. But it yeah, should the NCAA be disbanded after all of the controversy between the disparity the discrepancy between the men's and women's tournament, uh and I mean the NCAA just can't catch a break. So there were four options, yes, not needed, yes, corrupt anyway, no, it governs fairly, and conferences govern themselves. And 37.5% of you said that it's said yes because it's corrupt anyway, with 33% of you saying yes, not needed. Uh, so over half of you said that it should. Out of those answers, because I don't think it governs fairly at all, out of those, I would say yes, because it's corrupt anyway. But here's the problem, and I'm going to give you my full thought on, on this real quick. I'm not sure if it needs to be disbanded completely. It, but while it may not need to be disbanded completely, and I'll get to why in just a second, it definitely needs to be fixed. It definitely needs to have some sort of oversight whether through government intervention or what have you, there needs to be something done to stop the issue, the plethora of issues that we see with the NCAA. The only reason I don't think it needs to be needs to be disbanded is because it really is the only governing body and regulating body for the non-revenue sports and for the lower divisions. So what would you do and and I'm going to I'm going to put this out to you. This, this is a this is a valid question and if you have, you know, any any uh thoughts on the matter, be sure to call in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. The issue with disbanding it is what do you do 
when it comes to the non-revenue sports? What do you do about track? What do you, you know, what do you do about the Olympic sports? What do you do about soccer? What do you do about volleyball? What do you do about softball? And on top of that, what do you do about the Division Two and Division Three schools and conferences and et cetera? Yes, I understand that the NCAA doesn't really do all that much. It's mostly just the governing body. But I don't think that the conferences outside of the Power Five have enough autonomy and enough uh, enough uh, weight and, and enough, uh, you know, ability to create their own tournament amongst everyone, because there would be too much infighting. There would be too much fighting between. Okay, who who gets what? And it, I think it would just create a mess especially in the non-revenue sports and in the lower divisions because then it leads to politics because everyone's trying to look out for themselves. With no overarching governing body, it's going to be a problem. Now, if football and basketball and maybe baseball want to break away, but even this, even this is tricky, especially in basketball and baseball. If they wanted to break away and do their own thing, then that could potentially work. But I don't think it would work with the non-revenue and the non-revenue divisions. You know, if 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 the Power Five football conferences want to break away and do their own league, then so be it. They're essentially. In football, it's kind of different because they're essentially doing their own thing anyway at this point. They're outside of the NCAA's jurisdiction, outside of, you know, the the arbitrary things that the NCAA tries to enforce. Basketball and baseball is a little trickier because they're in control of the tournament. And the problem with that, I think, is if you allowed the – because here, here's the thing. And I talked about it before. Here's the big problem when it comes to doing it for basketball and baseball. If you allow the conferences to run it themselves, then you're gonna you're basically opening Pandora's box to allow the conferences to do to basketball and baseball exactly what they've done to football. And you lose March Madness. Do you wanna lose March Madness? I don't think so. So I don't think the NCAA needs to be disbanded. You need an overarching uh, executive force to regulate college athletics, but they need they also need to figure out a way to where you don't have to worry about you know issues like what happened recently arising. I think the way – you just need to overhaul the NCAA to where you – some areas I would give it more power and in other areas I would reduce its power heavily. And that's something that I'd have to figure out the exact metric 
But, you know, for example, I would give them more power when it comes to football to make sure that there is a fair – I would have them take over the FBS playoff system so that you could create a truly fair playoff system. But elsewhere, when it comes to, you know, uh, something needs to be done about the disparity between men and women. That's that's for sure. Something needs to be done about what happened at the, the respective NCAA tournaments this year. But how exactly do you go about doing that is going to be the question. A couple of final uh, college notes before we uh before we take a break and uh then I'll have some other talking points and and your calls right here on Sports Unlimited on so and Sports Central 3237849681 is that number to call that number again 3237849681 Xavier assistant Ben Johnson taking over at Minnesota taking over for Richard Patino uh and Pat Kelsey moving from Winthrop over to Charleston, or excuse me, College of Charleston. And that's a big, uh, it's a big game for College of Charleston. It's a big game for the Cougars. But it's a, it's, I'd say it's even a bigger blow for Winthrop, who had a great run this year, obviously lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but still had a great run this year, had some great games, and, you know, Winthrop looked like it was a team on the rise, uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, came up short. And now they're now you don't know what's going to happen at Winthrop due to uh, due due to Kelsey leaving now. So that's a big blow for Winthrop. I'm sorry uh, to Tyler and all the other. Winthrop uh, students and graduates and alumni and all of that. Hey, y'all. You ready? Let's do it. Yeah. 
from the Harlem streets. I don't play y'all push it down with the Harlem heat. All of a sudden, got a problem with me. Black, what happened? They running around acting like the black don't care eat. And you know what? What? For some strange reason, I'm off of this medication, feeling deranged meeting. For y'all to put the word out. We ain't leaving. We trying to be rich before we all stop breathing. Therefore, we kind of hustle lane. Stay laying down our muscle game. Still turn your dreams to flames. You got the wire? If not, I ain't saying no name. You soon expire. No pain. I feel remorse for some closeness. Me and Diddy are first race of horses with the big twin valve exhausted. On the cover of your vibe, double like sounds and talk. Go in Be everything, still glorious We still got warriors Still be the victorious See it's a lot of them, but it's more of us Still got cash to blow, raps to flow Still them cats to know Pack to flow, that's for sure The pop, the rock Play the background, hand them a shot Hold them a money to get Cost to flip, love it Place nothing above it, it's on like that Don't believe we ain't going like that We're always going to be here We there
Hello. Ian, can you hear me? Ah, okay, he dropped again. Looks like he dropped again. We'll we'll try this one more time. Looks like we're having some uh, technical difficulties again. So we'll we'll wait once again to see if he calls back. Ian, can you hear me? I can. Third time's a oh, charm, okay. baby. Yeah, third time's a charm. Apparently, uh, having ha- have been having some uh, technical difficulties apparently this morning. But uh, first off, welcome. Uh, how's uh, how's things been going? I know we we talked a couple of weeks ago. We we've got March Madness. How does your bracket look? Uh, you know, truth be told, I, I don't, uh, do a regular bracket, um, with any kind of sincerity. I, I filled one out in about, uh, a minute and a half. And I had, uh, I, the only, one of the only things I remember was that I had Mizzou losing to Gonzaga, um, which obviously that didn't happen. And then, uh, I had Alabama winning the whole thing. So yeah, you probably, I'm, I'm probably not the person to ask. <laughs> I uh, I did nail my uh, my CBI uh, tournament outside of the championship game though, so that was that was pretty good. I got uh, all four first round games in both semifinals. I mean, I know that's a a hot button topic for all of your <laughs> listeners, so they can they can take heed in knowing that uh, I did well in my CBI bracket. <laughs> hey, I mean, we might we might have some coastal fans listening. Uh, you know, they they made it all the way up to the semis, so yeah. Well, I, I, had them, I had them winning the whole thing. I figured, you know, uh, being in Daytona, it would be, you know, kind of like in their element. And uh, Pepperdine had to come, you know, like 3,200 miles to come play in the thing. I, I, I really thought that, that Coastal was going to win, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you, you still have your uh, national champion alive right now with Alabama still being in it. Uh, but we we've been uh we we've been we've had a couple of weeks of baseball season uh so far what have been some of your biggest takeaways for the start of the season so far oh definitely with baseball it's got to be uh how well Sakusti has been playing um you know i i think that if you were to have asked a whole bunch of us that have covered um region 65a you know, for the last several years, I think probably most of us would have said, you know, St. James Sumter um, mm-hmm. probably would have been, you know, the the two contenders just based off the historical uh, value of their teams and, and what they've kind of shown us. Um, you know, and not that we thought that Sox T was a bad team, but I mean, I, I think the eye opener for them was going to that coastal invitational tournament and winning four games in three days and, and walking away with that championship. And, you know, I think that they were maybe in the easier of the, the two, um, you know, kind of pod systems that they had uh, down there at Waccamaw, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you win four games in three games. It means you've got some good pitching, you've got some good hitting and they've honestly just carried it right on through. Um, you know, they sweep Sumter, 
uh, in their first week of region play. And if they beat St. James tonight, it means they've swept St. James. And all of a sudden you're talking about a team that is 6-0 when no one else in the region is, is 500. Um, I think the immediate uh, reaction a lot of people have is, oh, they're just going to win a bad region. Well, the, the region isn't bad. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the team's maybe not, maybe not as complete um, as Socrates has proved to have been so far. But, I mean, there's some really good players in this region. I mean, there's, you know, kids committed to SEC schools and, and, and the like. So, you know, I, I think that they've just, for whatever reason, I mean, that, that spark plug hit them uh, very early in the season. And if that's going to happen, this is the year to do it because, you know, if if they win one more series, you know, they're guaranteed one of those two playoff spots. Um, and honestly, they may have it clinched with, you know, four or five. They may have a region championship clinch with four or five games to go. So, you know, I think that they've uh, put themselves in a very good position to now kind of fine-tune the rest of the way. Yeah, and that's a, you know, that's a big debate that always rages mostly in, in college and pro, but, you know, does that – do you think that would help them or hurt them going into the playoffs? The fact that they can lock up a playoff first so quickly and then kind of, you know, I doubt they would anyway, but, you know, they have, you know, theoretically get into the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's, you trust me this year. It's, it's crazy. You're, you're, you just want to make sure you're in, you know, so that's, that's the main goal, but here's the deal. If you want to make a run, you know, you're going to have to, because of the amended, the amended playoff brackets this year going from 32 to 16, you know, you're going to have to win a four-team double elimination tournament to then go to lower state. And then in lower state, you're going to have to beat the upper state team. Um, you, you know, you're going to have to, or I'm sorry, you're going to have to beat the other lower state team, mm-hmm. um, you know, two out of three times. You know, yeah. and then if you do that, then you got to go to the championship round and you got you got to win that round two or three, you know, two or three you're going to have to have a lot of pitching, you know, this is going to give, um, you know, if what it kind of looks like is shaping up, you know, a team like Sagasti is now going to have um, almost a full month, if not longer to develop other pitching, to get other guys ready. You know, Curtis Hudson could do a deal where if he feels really comfortable about a guy for two innings, and then he's got three or four of those guys, that's the difference in, in a playoff run. That's the difference in, um, you know, one of your top two pitchers just having a bad night because it, it hits everybody at some point. You know, that's the difference in being able to throw one of those other guys in and say, hey, go go kind of right the ship a little bit. And now those guys having experience in region games, you know, they'll have that experience against Conway and, and Carolina Forest and, and be able to, um, you know, go out there and show – that they can beat other 5A teams because at some point that confidence is, is going to be necessary. You know, if they go out and they're just, you know, playing, you know, 3A teams and maybe bad 4A teams, you know, I, and I, excuse me, I don't remember exactly everybody who's on their schedule right now, but I mean, if they're doing that, it's not the same, you know, being able to go do that against Conway and Carolina forest is going to, going to be uh, so much more important, you know, for the stretch run, you know, because at this point you got Somerville and you got Berkeley, you know, they're going to have to be paired up with one of those teams, you know, in that district round, um, you know, if they, if they push through that, you know, they're in you know, good chance they might have to play the other one, you know, in the, in the lower state championship series. 
So, and, and again, I'm projecting here. I'm, I'm projecting yeah. way, way out, and a whole lot can change. But that's the that's the scenario, and that's why it's important that you know Sakisti's jumpstart has been so big for them. Mo- moving over to the big news that happened here on the Grand Strand uh, this week: Tony Hellebron being named uh, the new athletic director over at North Myrtle. What do you think of the hire and? What do you see him bringing uh, to the program, and do you see him bringing anything new to the Chiefs? Yeah, I don't know that there's going to be big wholesale changes with Tony, um, you know, but I don't think that's what they were looking for. I mean, they some of the people who applied were, you know, there were some um, much more experienced guys. There were people that had kind of done things their way or the highway for a long time, um, but that's not what North Myrtle Beach is looking for. They're they're looking for somebody to come in and mesh with the personalities. Um, you know, I've, I've said this, you know, for a long time and I, I, I might've even said it on your show previously, you know, the, the coaching staff at North Myrtle beach is extremely tight knit. Um, you know, they, they all help each other. They, you know, if you go to a baseball game, you know, you're, you know, you might see the basketball coach, you go to a basketball game, you're going to see the football coach, you know, they're, they're, you know, not to be cliche, but they're, they are sweeping the floors, you know, for the other coaches, they're helping each other out. You know, they all pitch in, in the weight room. Um, these are, that that's kind of the knowledge that North Myrtle beach had when they were looking for their next team. So, you know, what does that mean? It means they need somebody to come in and mesh with those personalities. They need somebody to, that was uh, going to come in and, and, and not just, delegate responsibility, but pitch in and do their part too. Um, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, that's, that, that, that is kind of the model that, that Tony fits, you know, he's, he's a younger guy, he's high energy, he's, he's a family man, you know, all of these kind of things that were, um, important, but weren't like, okay, well, what makes us a championship caliber program? You know, because a lot of times in these interviews, that's what guys hear is like, how can you make us win? Well, we already know that North Myrtle Beach is already winning. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've already had, you know, two teams make it to the state finals um, in the bracketed playoffs. They've had, you know, three others that have made it to the, you know, those kind of big poly, you know, state finals, you know, where everybody competes at once. You know, so, I mean, they don't they don't need somebody to come in and reinvent the, reinvent the wheel. They need somebody to um, come in, kind of maybe just touch-ups here and there and say, okay, where can we improve this? They need somebody who's going to be good with uh, booster club relations and donations and, you know, kind of keep going all of those things that Joe Quickly has done, you know, really, really well, you know, for the last, you know, 15 years. Talking about uh, Quigley, what what do you think? We've talked about it a little bit, but now that, you know, we know his replacement uh, and, and everything, what is the legacy for Joe Quigley at North Merrill? Oh, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> the legacy is before and after. I mean, the I, I can't tell you how many times I've been researching something about North Myrtle Beach and like when was the last time X Y Z happened? And be like, oh, 1981, 1975. Oh, it's never happened. You know, I mean, if you look through. You know, their, their, their football, you know, year by year, I mean, they just, you know, they really struggled, you know, for a long time. You know, the, the football stadium 
when I first got here was rough. I mean, they didn't have that press box on the home side. Um, you know, they were using that kind of antiquated, you know, all they had was a, a phone line. I mean, there was no Wi-Fi. I mean, there certainly were no, you know, LED lights, which turned out to mm-hmm. be the first of their kind in the state of South Carolina for a high school program. Um, you know, you just it, it doesn't take a lot to see physical development with with your fields. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, I feel like that kind of, that breeds, um, you know, an ownership for everybody. I mean, kids see that and they say, oh, these are our lights. You know, this is, this is our football stadium. This is our soccer stadium. This is our baseball stadium. You know, you know, you look at what Brian Alderson has done with the, the baseball field. I mean, it looks like he's out there every day cutting it with scissors. Um, hmm. You don't have that kind of thing without the guy in charge making you want to come to work and bust your tail and make it the best possible thing that you can because it's not just about how can I make myself look better for the next job. It's how can I make this place better for this place. And I, I think if you're talking about legacy with Joe Quigley, I think that's I think that's where it is. He inspired people and has continued to inspire people to to go in and and give it everything they got for themselves, for the, the, the other adults they're working with, for the kids. Um, you know, and it's a different mentality than it was, you know, back in oh five, oh six when I, I first got over here, but then, you know, really in oh eight, oh nine when I really started paying attention to high school sports. Moving over, you you mentioned football and and football is king, and of course you do a lot of stuff during the off season uh, as well. We found out a big big matchup uh, was announced this week uh, for next fall uh, with Myrtle Beach traveling to Carolina Forest. How big of a matchup do you think this is going to be next season? Uh, I, I I'm sorry, I didn't realize that that was a bombshell. <laughs> they, they, I mean, well, they just would, the fact I that it's happening week one is, you know, that's gotta be, you know, the biggest matchup to start off the season. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know that it's as big of a matchup as if it had happened, you know, this year, you know, this past okay. fall. Um, you know, I think we've already learned not to discount. Carolina Forest ability to rebuild and, and reload. I mean, Kyle Watkins, what he did last fall was, was absolutely insane. And he was a wide receiver stepping into the quarterback position. Um, you know, the numbers that he put up, you know, one of my most read tweets from the fall was comparing his numbers to Hunter Renfro's in 2013. And um, nobody saw that coming. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, he'll kind of be a serviceable quarterback. He'll let us move the ball a little bit. He's got a, he's got an okay arm. But nobody saw what, what that kid was about to do. You know, I don't know. Do they have that kind of player waiting in the wings again? I, I don't know. It, it, it'd be hard to say that that kind of thing is just going to pop up every year. So, I mean, I, I'd say it's doubtful, but you never know. I, I can tell you that they've got, you know, one of the best running backs in the state, you know, you know with Luke Janik. You know, if he, you know, uh, stays in that position, you know, if they don't move him somewhere else, um, you know, I, I think that's big. But uh, truth be told, I mean, Myrtle Beach is loaded. 
Myrtle Beach is, um, if they don't open the, the preseason as the number one team in Class 4A, I would be surprised. Um, you know, that would tell me that there, a lot of voters aren't really paying attention. Um, you've got a quarterback with Division One offers. You've got a uh, wide receiver committed to Clemson. Uh, you've got maybe three offensive linemen who are going to go play small college ball somewhere. You've got, um, you know, one of the best two-way players uh, in the area and Cam Ward at linebacker and running back. Um, you know, they always seem to have this next guy uh, ready to go who comes out of nowhere. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a nice storyline. Um, but as far as, um, you know, the, the 2021 season goes, I, I think any, any of those non-region games between the bigger schools are really going to, you know, they're going to be exciting because we didn't have those, um, yeah. you know, last fall. So, you know, I think that's one of the, it's, 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 let me put it this way. I much rather Carolina forest and Myrtle beach play than Myrtle beach play Warrens or, yeah. you know, yeah. Carolina forest go over and play Brooklyn Casey or something like that, you know, because I just don't, I don't see the point of all the travel for a game, you know, like that, but you know, I'm glad that they got it back. I'm glad that they made it a priority and they say we're going we're going to play this one first cuz look in the back of a lot of these coaches minds they're they're still kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know, are they going to have to move their schedule around? Are they going to have to cancel games, you know? They always know there's a hurricane potentially coming, you know. So, yeah. you know, it it shows to me that they think that that game is important enough that we're going to put it smack in the front of the schedule. Are you uh are you going anywhere tonight for any of the baseball games? Yeah, I'll be at um, North Myrtle Beach for their game against Hartsville. Um, yeah, Cam Freeman is pitching for North Myrtle. Yeah, North Myrtle tonight. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. That that's a big one because you know Hartsville won fourteen to eight on Tuesday, and they just played two game series in that region. So, um, you know, tonight is obviously a, a big one for North Myrtle. Um, you know, they're going to have to get some offense going because, you know, I think at this point it's um, them, Hartsville, and Myrtle Beach and West Florence. I mean, you have a lot of these teams that are uh, right there. There's just not a lot of wiggle room. Um, you can afford to split in a series, but, you know, if you drop uh, two games to one of, you know, those other three or four top teams in the region, you start talking about losing out on potential tiebreakers and, things like that. I mean, we saw that in one of the upstate football regions, you know, last year there's a three-way tie. Um, I think it was region two in class four yeah. a where, you know, three-way tie where one of the teams, you know, Greenville ended up not even making the playoffs and they were, you know, ranked in the top 10 in the state. So <laughs> there's just not a lot of wiggle room. So it's uh, kind of, I'll be looking forward to see how North Myrtle kind of responds tonight. Yeah, that's going to be a very good game. Uh, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to calling it later, so I'll I'll see you later on tonight. Uh, and thanks as always for joining me this morning. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. Have a good day, Brent. Yep, talk to you later. So once again, that's Ian Garen. Always fun talking to him from Maori News. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of great topics, and uh, yeah, like you mentioned, a very very big matchup. A very big matchup for you guys uh, to tomorrow or tonight, rather. Um, you know, with with North with North Merrill facing off against Hartsville, uh, with 
you know, with big implications in Region 6-4A, uh, the fact that, you know, these two teams, play, uh, you know, like like you mentioned, Hartsville beating, uh, being North Myrtle 14-8 to on Tuesday. And North Myrtle Beach, like I mentioned, they're the number two team in the state in region, or in 4A. And so you're expecting them to be a lot better than they appeared in their first region game. So now it's to to see, you know, how do they bounce back and uh what what do they do um you know with that um tonight. Are they able to bounce back? Are they able to uh play some better baseball and, and get back into the win column and and start really uh you know, playing some good ball. So it's gonna be a good game tonight. Uh, I'll have all the coverage for you. I'll have all the action for you live on the North Merrill Beach Chiefs Sports Network. Uh, like I mentioned, follow NMB Chiefs online if you want to get the link and everything. That's going to be a fun game. Uh, so, yeah, be sure to check out all the action tonight uh, when North Merrill Beach faces off against Hartfield. Two top ten teams in the state. Going to be a fun matchup. So, I'll take a quick break and then come right back. Got some final thoughts. Uh, got some NBA. Got some MLB preview. Got an MLB preview for you and some NBA trade deadline talk for you to wrap up the show. And as always, if you still want to get in on the action, call on in three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. I'll take a quick break and come right back right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Sorry about this, folks. Sorry, uh, we're having some. I've been having some tiff. Been having some technical difficulties uh, getting this uh, taken care of right now, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, wrapping things up, wrapping up the show right here. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, Excuse me. We're uh you know wrapping up the show, uh you know, where the the nuggets are gonna be good for the for the foreseeable future. Uh you know, and and it's gonna be something to keep an eye on, that's that's for sure. Uh it's gonna be something that, you know, you're you're gonna have to you know see see what happens uh, you know but it that that's what's that's what's gonna you know that that's got that's what's gonna be fun over these next uh you know few few weeks uh and whatnot um you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, who who gets the most out of these trades? I think the Nuggets and and the Mavericks definitely win won these trades. That's for sure. But now the question is, what are they going to be able to do with them? Are they going to be able to uh, win? You know, make something out of this. Um, so that'll just about wrap it up for me, uh, for the show this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Sorry for the, uh, technical difficulties at the end. Um, computers acting very slow and screwy right now. Uh, definitely hope, definitely have to get it figured out for later on, uh, tonight. But, um, you know. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I enjoyed bringing you guys uh, lots of fun topics this morning. And, uh, yeah, got lots of fun things to talk about um, next week. Um, Got some baseball to talk about next week. Uh, Got some fun things to talk about next week. Um, So be sure to tune in then. so, I'm Brandon Biscoving, saying so long, and we'll talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone.